Hello, hello. This is Olga Campos, the social psychologist, and welcome to the Psychosocial Podcast. Today I am with Austin Wilman. Hi, Austin. Hi, Olga. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So uh, we have such a different physical location exchange, I think, with you. <laughs> yeah, we traded. We're on like a, we're on like a, a house swap, if you will. Yeah, so I'm a Turkish living in U.S. and you are an American living in Turkey. Yes, <laughs> I'm Turkish, just a little. <laughs> I'm still working on it, you know. Yeah, you're still working on that. Mm. So Austin, uh, we met you in we met with you in a in a like a network event where we were totally vulnerable, totally transparent about falling down and standing up again. That was very moving. I guess I am, as much as I impressed by your stories, you are impressed by my stories. So it's just how we are attracted to towards each other to talk more about that. And I know we have many roles in in our life, many different Knees, many different selves in 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 real life. However, when you when you are in here in this podcast, I really want to ask you to introduce yourself. Which eggs did you bring today to the to the basket of Austin? <laughs> Which eggs did you bring to the basket? Yes, yeah. So vulnerable talks was really interesting because it talked about 2020 and kind of what were some of the areas where you fell down and how did you overcome them and how basically what were the learnings for the future i mentioned some stuff about starting i guess ending kind of a chapter and starting anew in a bunch of different aspects of my life i had quit a job that was wonderful in malaysia and started my own kind of coaching business and entrepreneurial endeavors with that ending of a chapter i left malaysia and came to now istanbul mm-hmm. and so that was a closing of a chapter and opening up something new I came here with my partner of over a year. And then after a month of being here, we closed that chapter and now opened up a, a new, I guess, revisited chapter of, of being a single person. And now I'm kind of, I guess, putting another chapter on pause and moving, well, as it is now, going back to the US and opening up another chapter there. So I think what I brought today is really this concept of, of turning the page hmm. and just how okay that is. Because I think what sets me apart from a lot of my friends or family members or people that I talk to who even come from me, come to me for, let's call it advice, although I'm not a licensed psychologist, I have a psychology background. Yeah. Austin, how can you kind of continue to do this turning the page process and it doesn't mm-hmm. seem to bother you? And that's, I guess where I'm at today is I feel like that's a special gift of mine is just to not take things so seriously mm-hmm. and realize that as much as much as I think other people's eyes are on me mm-hmm. when I'm making transitions that is the degree that other people's eyes are actually on themselves in their own lives and not on me. Would you say that your signature strength is kind of being able to move on and flexibly and creatively? Yeah, there's a, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think transitioning, transitioning is is one of my core 
kind of strengths. I have a very high risk tolerance and a very high tolerance for ambiguity as well. Oh. Yeah. So Ashton, as you said, you have a background in psychology and you are doing many, many things with this background. You do coaching, you do, you are working on a, like a social entrepreneurship project, which mm -hmm. I'm sure we will talk uh, in the upcoming minutes called Earth University. Mm -hmm. uh, and you said you you were in US, you were in Malaysia, you are in Istanbul. So all those different places, spaces, ideas, and pages of life, of your life, due to your best observation for others and experience with yourself, why do you think people don't like risks and cannot tolerate? And how dare they can? Mm. Yeah, I think it's, well, fear, of course, fear mm -hmm. of what? It will be fear of mm, the unfamiliar. Because even if something is unfamiliar to us, if it's familiar and it's painful, then at least we know the extent of the pain. So it's, if there's something that's unfamiliar, it might be even more painful or might be even more scary. And it always goes back to this, I think the just looking at the difference between kind of emotions and thought patterns and this perpetuation of a situation like catastrophizing something instead of seeing it as face value at face mm -hmm. value. Oh, I could go here and maybe make less money. It's not that it's like, I could go here, make less money. And then my partner will break up with me. And then my family will disown me. And then I will be homeless on the street. And then I won't have anything to eat. And then I'll lose all my hair. Oh God. <laughs> it's like this, um, I think this rampant perpetuation of the worst thing that could happen is what holds people back. It's like, oh my God, take that imagination and put it towards something positive. <laughs> when you're plotting the, all those scenes, like uh, being home towards being homeless, I was thinking about how powerful our brains in terms of anticipating the future. And I guess in a way, this is how we survived. <laughs> Yeah. anticipating the risks anticipating the future and navigating through dangers accordingly has a survival value for sure however mm. we can misuse that power to catastrophize and <laughs> live the disasters even before they happen yeah <laughs> yeah live it before it happens and i think it's it's all about pattern recognition right mm. it's like the the connection of like if this then this so what's the last time that, I don't know, more than likely we'll remember the things that caused this pain, such as I don't know, a classic example of touching the stove. Mm -hmm. How many times have you learned that lesson? Probably just once, mm -hmm. but it, when we're thinking of like a, a good scenario, we tend to overlook that because it's not, like you said, a, a defense mechanism. It hasn't kept us alive. Like eating the, the right berries is a gain but avoiding the poisonous snake is something that we're more likely to remember and pass on. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's, yeah. And it, it applies to our relationships as well, I guess. This reminds me as a study, a research about close relationships for every one negative experience, negative encounter with our partners, we need five more positive <laughs> encounters mm. or five more mm. positive experiences to go on to be able to at least 
balance. Uh, mm. I, I don't remember who, who were the researchers, but that was interesting to me to see that how we need more positive experiences, how we need more positivity and uh, good experiences to be able to hold that hope further instead of sticking to the disaster pieces. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and what's really curious to me about that is like the weight of these two things and the weight in our imagination too. Mm -hmm. Because if we're saying, okay, one bad experience equals five good experiences, mm -hmm. then what is the same thing in the imagination when we're anticipating the future? Mm -hmm. Is it the same thing? Like I have to imagine a future where the good five times outweighs the bad in order mm -hmm. for me to take that action. Now we're talking about something because we're, we're basing it on, let's say some scientific proof uh, of these things of how we act in, in particular relationships. Does that transfer over to things that have not yet happened and does that affect our decision-making? I think it does. Mm -hmm. And it depends on, you know, focused energy. Actually, I'll bring this up. So we have this water <laughs> bottle and I used this um, the other day in a conversation. I said, okay, is this bottle half full or it's half empty? And the guy was like, well, I always see it half full. And I was like, well, they're both wrong. It's completely full. It's just two different substances. It's water. Wow. You know, it just <laughs> depends on what you're focusing on. It depends yeah. on what you're looking at because it's all, you will always be able to find whatever you look at, yeah. whatever you're looking for. You're right. It is totally full, half with yeah. water, half with air. Yeah. <laughs> mm, I like that metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> so now just like, um, let's say, if we're saying I no longer smoke cigarettes, mm -hmm. for an example. Yeah, now, congratulations the, for that, by the way. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you know, if we're saying, okay, I'm getting rid of this habit or whatever it is, it's not, yes, you're getting rid of it, but the time still remains. The time continuum still remains. So you're actually replacing that with something else. So I think that that's, I don't know, a little bit off from the conversation that we're having, but it's just mm -hmm. another thing to think yeah. about is like, what are you replacing your time with? And I think this is a piece of your coaching work, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. You do a lot of coaching to leaders, to professionals who want to change their pattern and recog recognition of that pattern. What is not going well for them? And then so that replacing those ingredients with something else. What, what approach do you use what, what type of do you have a framework or do you have a like a plan strategy when working with people coaching people or is it based on their needs or their subjects that they're being bringing well coincidentally actually probably not coincidentally this is probably intentional but a lot <laughs> of the people that i work with want to transition into something else oh yeah why not <laughs> <laughs> you know maybe that's why they're attracted to this to the style i bring mm -hmm. so it really um kind of what we do there is i call it three v's and sometimes this is the the correct way i find most of the times with the clients that i'm working with we start with values and say mm -hmm. what is it that drives you like what do you actually want and what has brought you to this point kind of how are you expressing yourself now? And then vision, of course, is the future. Where do you want to go? How would you imagine the world in a perfect scenario? And then we talk about velocity, which is how can we accelerate 
faster in the direction of that vision by using the vehicle of your values to make your decisions to help you get there. So velocity is like the, the, the resources, the people, the jobs, even the projects that you're going to work on, the organizations that you're going to be a part of, you know, what are those things that, that you need to involve yourself in to take you from here to there? It sounds like the action items. Yeah, yeah, if you want to think of it that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If the values are like the uh, emotions, vision are like the, the thought process, the uh, cognitions and velocity is the behaviors, as it sounds like the ABC of human uh, mm. human life, like affect behavior and cognition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think there's I like some it. of that probably... Um, underlying terminology or underlying scientific vernacular in probably most coaching or most, you know, achievement oriented mm -hmm. programs is like, okay, well, we have to understand that, yes, we are one being here, but it's very compartmentalized emotions, actions, thought processes, mm -hmm. you know, there's mm -hmm. kind of those three components that take you from here to there. Yeah. And let me ask you this. What is your value, vision and velocity to do such a work? <laughs> mm. yeah so the values are have fun have oh. fun and play that's a big one um i totally flow. agree with you yeah. <laughs> i totally agree with you having fun is for me the biggest thing that is underestimated in work life yeah yeah <laughs> because when you're having fun now you're noticing that this bottle is not empty you're noticing ah oh, there's something actually still there mm -hmm. this right instead of saying oh well it's all crap no, it's not. It's crap. And you can choose to acknowledge that. And when you're in a fun, elevated state, that's what you're able to look at. Sorry, I interrupted you, but I, I couldn't stop myself jumping to the fun piece of <laughs> your values. <laughs> mm. Well, it makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, when you're having fun, like that's when time goes by the quickest. Mm -hmm. As opposed to when you're really hungry and you're not enjoying what you do, like somebody bewitched the, the clock to go twice as slow it's just i don't know we've all experienced this thing and yet for some reason since it's not in our job description we think that it's bad we're not supposed to have fun so anyway have fun and play is my number one value find that's flow. very important yeah <laughs> that's my other value um choose the adventure is a third one and impress future me is a big one too so those kind of keep me in line. They help me make my decisions. I use those as a, as a broad decision-making framework to point me in the right direction. Wow. Yeah. So clear. And I think yeah. clarity is what, what helps, what really helps you to, towards your uh, goals, end goals, your, to, to attain your outcomes. And one of the goals you have is the Earth University project. Would you like to tell a little bit more about that or would you like to keep it as a secret? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> it's not a secret, but it is in the very early stages. So Earth University is a school for applied purpose in a global campus. Mm -hmm. And we're essentially shifting organizations culture from the inside out by applying radical self-care mm -hmm. to its leadership team. Wow. So we're aligning people back to their true north and finding their lights on energy through mentoring sessions, through one-on-one -on -one mentoring sessions. We believe that if 
people can understand and decipher between when their lights on and when they're just logically thinking mm-hmm. or you know, societally thinking of this is what I should do, this is what my mom told me, this is what my boss wants, as opposed to having fun and play and they're being lit up. If we can help people decipher when they're in this state, then they can find that state more often and bring it into the organization. And mm-hmm. as you and I just briefly touched upon, when you're in that happy, resourceful state, things seem to flow a lot easier. Mm-hmm. You're much more resourceful. Time goes by quicker. You're more enthused to wake up early and stay late and help people and smile the whole time. You're more in, in, in tune to your authentic self and you're running by your intrinsic motivation, autonomous motivation, rather than have to, should, must have... Yeah, this this really creates a different. And I guess in work life there is a traditional misunderstanding of it has to be serious and boring. By mm. saying serious, <laughs> it connotates like it has to be boring. You shouldn't right. you shouldn't be bringing your uh, personal issues or personal characteristics to work. So it's it's kind of self neglect. Whereas what you are talking about is self-care and not with a selfish uh, purpose. It's not, oh, I'm very important. Uh, I'm, I come first from everything. It's not like that. But taking care of yourself, being playful and having fun, enjoying what you are doing, having that state of flow, really what determines how successful you will be at that task or at that work. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for bringing up this. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's what I spend a lot of my time on these days. And the, mm-hmm. just for anyone who might be interested in learning more, it's, of course, earth.university. Mm-hmm. And the, the future of this program is to connect these kind of heart-centered coaches and mentors and muses, whatever you want to call them. We'll call them mentors for now. Mm-hmm. And leaders in organizations and connect the two. So this is not only for leaders and organizations and humanity plus organizations, it's also for coaches who are looking to help more people at Earth University, we bring them into the same classroom so they can connect with the right people. So that's kind of the value proposition that we're bringing to the table that's a little bit different, I think, is to, is to have these, we'll call them passion professors who are working on their own stuff. <laughs> And they're helping people um, find their lights on and find their true north and get reconnected with themselves. So we're able to do that on campus and connect the two. I like the term passion professors. Can Mm. I be one of them? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Actually, the co-founder, Lindsay, uh, she also has a podcast and it's called Passion Professors where she talks about people who are pursuing their lights on passions. Wow, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really many people in life search their meaning of life and sometimes it's it's very overwhelming and creates another stress like oh my god where is my life purpose where do I find my patient where did I lost that so it's like as if it is somewhere unattainable at the top of Mount Everest that people need to struggle and seek for and suffer to reach that highest point and highest experience of humanity. Do you think passion is 
something like that unattainable, that far away or that painful? The question that I would ask is, what are you sacrificing in order to do whatever it is that you're passionate about? Because the etymology of passion refers to the passion of the Christ, which means what did you, you know, give up in order for something that you love? So I kind of bring the, the I have a passion for cupcakes. Like, okay, great. What are you giving up in order to pursue cupcakes? A lot of people will say, well, nothing really. I said, okay, so maybe we can think about a different word for cupcakes that describes your feeling a little better. But I think that, you know, the passion is what are you willing to do, even though it's painful for, I don't know, people like myself or the people that you're working with as well and yourself included entrepreneurs, what is it that you're giving up in order to pursue your mission? It's probably some stability, probably some social status, probably some social acceptance from people who are just saying, why don't you just stick to what you know and what you're good at? Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to do this you know, big thing, that might be something that you're sacrificing in order to pursue this. But I think it's, yeah, like you said, it's not at the top of Mount Everest. It's just finding, when do I find those moments of flow? When do mm-hmm. I find those periods where I lose sense of time and self and care and identity? When do I lose that? And how can I create more of it or at least identify more of it in my life? So it's not very, very further away that a person needs to leave everything beyond and just seek for that. But what I hear is it is somewhere around us. And as long as we do that self-exploration for that and be willing to give up some other things for that, it it is already apparent in our life maybe. Yeah, absolutely. It's, mm-hmm. it's like the challenge is not to go and get. The challenge is to accept what's oh. already there. Mm-hmm. That's the challenge. Because uh, particularly for masculine energy, we think that we can just go get it. Like, I'm just going to go and hustle and make it happen. I'm just going to ah, create it and do whatever. Like, I'm going to go penetrate the world. But what it really is is saying, is it okay for you to sit in the chair and say, I already have everything? that's really difficult because that has to intrinsically say, I'm already good enough. I don't need anything else, which is very difficult, particularly in consumer societies like America that always yes. say, you always <laughs> need something else. Go, 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 do, 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 get, get, yeah. get. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is something else. And it really pushes people, even people in the mental health domain or even for the people with a psychology background, it is, also a trap that you haven't helped enough people yet you you didn't still do you haven't done still yet enough so it's it's kind of uh, even if scientifically we kind of know that good enough is what we need and like uh, unrealistic expectations are what causes strains pains still we also can time to time fall into that trap and i think the culture uh, the consumeristic culture really provokes that feeling of you are not enough yet. You haven't done enough yet. <laughs> there is still more. You have to attain more. You have to get that more and more. And yeah, 
when seeking perfection, when seeking excellence, we really sometimes don't see what we already have. It is touching. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the, you know, vision set for yourself about mm -hmm. what success looks like, mm -hmm. then it will continually be someone else's decision. It will always be someone else's decision unless you decide what you want for yourself. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, I think you have to have a, a vision of what that looks like and a framework to help you make the decisions on the way to the vision, which are, in my case, values, right? Mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> so yeah. because I have, and probably for you as well, I'm not sure, but because I have some of these decision-making frameworks, a vision for myself where to go, and I understand the projects and the people and the tools and the resources that I'm going to need to take me there, it's hard to sway me into stuff that I don't need. Mm -hmm. so I just, it's, it's very easy for me to say no. Yes, I was going to say that. So that it determines what, for what things you will say yes and for what what kind of things you will say no. Because every yes is a, is a no to other things and every no is yes to other things. So it's, it's like an integration of what you're accepting and what you are pushing aside. Like what you are, as you said, what you are sacrificing and what do you, uh, what do you give up? What, what are you willing to give up? Yeah. 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 You cannot say yes to everything. Let's highlight so this. We cannot say yes to everything. <laughs> right. Right. As much as we want to sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, we have limits. Let's accept that. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. have limits. <laughs> Even for, for things, the, right? yeah. Even for cupcakes. <laughs> as you mentioned, <laughs> I sometimes I feel like I can eat all the chocolates in the market shelves, <laughs> in the in the house. But yeah, I have even limit to to how much chocolate I can eat in a day. <laughs> yeah, so true. You have to say, okay, well, my my vision is to feel a certain way, and I know that mm -hmm. if <laughs> yeah, if my if my value were gluttony, or if my value were um, I don't know, fully extend everything all the time, then it might fall in line mm. where you're saying, okay, it's my value to eat all the chocolate every single time. <laughs> you're like, okay, well, Hey, you know what? If that makes you congruent in your life, more power to you. That's what I would say. If that's aligning your thoughts and your emotions and your words and your actions, to me, that's my success. That is my version of success when mm. all of those are aligned. Yeah, not really. My value is not to consume all the chocolates. That I <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I can stop at a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Austin, yeah, I, this is such an unstructured conversation, which gives the structure itself. <laughs> mm. So it's like the, the social and psychological aspects of everyday life or work life is what I enjoy talking with my guests in this in this podcast. So I never plan what I will ask in advance in a very structured way, but I really enjoy how the conversation, what the conversation brings us. And you, mm. you brought a lot of things today that I really want to highlight and I really want to emphasize once more and which first of all is having fun. 
<laughs> the importance of having fun. So and true. you said finding your flow while having fun. Yeah. And then choosing the adventure. I really like that piece as well. You said it is very important to choose the adventure, which mm. maybe really helps us to cope with the fear of unfamiliar so that it increases the risk tolerance and ambiguity tolerance for us. And I don't think it's a coincidence, as you said, people who are in the stage of their life where they want to transition to something else, pick you to work with. Because yeah. <laughs> it yeah. sounds like you have done a lot of times trans <laughs> transitioning. And yeah, do you have those like, powers and strengths to, to use this as a passion professor? yourself mm. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so let's say if i am someone at a point uh, where i really want to transition to somewhere else in my life not geographically but maybe career-wise i need to stop or end come to an end to a page and flip the page to something else what i should be considering first what would you suggest me to consider first while mm -hmm. flip, flipping that page? Step one, values, mm -hmm. right? What is it that you value and what was the misalignment in your previous job? Why do you feel like it's a, a time for you to go on? And here's the paradox is values are something that are deep and core mm -hmm. and like help you drive your decisions on a fundamental mm -hmm. basis. But at the same time, your reason for leaving could be as simple as, I don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm bored. You know? <laughs> So it's like, okay, um, since you don't want to do this anymore, that's fine. When it comes to determining what you want to do next, instead of haphazardly saying, okay, I'm in a space of ambiguity. I'm going to take the first thing that comes. Again, one of my powers is saying, everything's going to be okay. Let's stay in this space of ambiguity a little bit longer until the right opportunity comes. And we can know when the right opportunity comes by identifying the values and what that actually looks like. So you can pull the trigger when it's the right time. Mm -hmm. So I would say number one is, and there's an easy resource, it's called personalvalue.es, personal mm -hmm. values, mm -hmm. where you can take a free assessment and it pops out your top five values. Um, that's a good place to start. Yeah, and then it's a good resource. Create, yeah, yeah, and then you can kind of start to create your own, like I have, like have fun and play is not a value. Follow the adventure is not a value you'll get on that website or find flow, yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say, what is it in the next step that you want to build your life around? Mm -hmm. Do you think earning more money is a value? Can, can that be a energizing, moving uh, piece while transitioning? Mm. Okay. Or financial security, let's say, because we are in the middle of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure many people who are not happy with their current jobs, considering mm -hmm. switching, but at the same time hesitant or not to do so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Due to increased unemployment, due to increased financial instability. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's a good reason to stay in a job? Um, definitely is going to be up to the individual because if and here's a concept that i learned when money comes in mm -hmm. let's say it's like rainfall 
Okay, and it lands in a basin. And then your expenditures are the um, water that flows out into the stream and then it goes back out into the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. What happens is a lot of the times when the rain falls into the basin, there's no dam mm -hmm. in order to catch what needs to go out and what needs to stay in the basin. Mm -hmm. So I would say, let's determine how big of a dam we need to build and first determine how much needs to stay in the basin before we send everything back out into the ecosystem. So if you're looking at financial stability, I would say, do you have a formal and strong understanding of your balance sheet, your individual balance sheet? Because if you don't, then you'll probably be in the same position in the next position or anywhere you go. Unless you're aware and you understand what's happening with finance or with your emotions or with your relationships or anything else, like unless you take a look at it, you become aware and then you understand of what the components are, it's just going to continue and perpetuate anywhere you go. So if you're saying I need financial stability, I would say, okay, what does financial stability specifically look like to you? Hmm. And can we replicate this elsewhere? Yeah. Yeah. That's why, as you said, this is a very personal answer to this question. Yeah. So there is no, no, no one shouldn't, no one should change their job in the middle of a pandemic versus yes, no matter what, change your job during, even during a pandemic. So <laughs> like there's no such a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're an outlier in terms of <laughs> yeah, but here's, taking here's risks. <laughs> So I can, I can say that and I can tell you all the fun and exciting benefits and experience that it got me and how it caused me to be more resilient and connect with you and travel the world because I left a job in the middle of a pandemic. However, I will also acknowledge that I have a hundred safety nets, not only financially, but I have an American passport. I also have a family who is willing, happy and willing to take care of me. My mom continues to invite me back to her place. She said, oh, we have your old bedroom where you used to stay <laughs> with us. So in my situation, it was easy for me because I knew I'm not going to be homeless no matter what. Like mm -hmm. I've had some pretty low financial circumstances in the past six months, but mm -hmm. I've never even skipped a meal. Mm -hmm. Like it's never even happened. I've sweat a lot over money, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I know that if the worst thing happens, I can just call someone and I can get flown back to the US. I have mm -hmm. an out, but that's just me. And I'll acknowledge yeah. that. Not everybody has that. It depends on what type of resources you have and how much of those resources you are aware of that you have. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm very grateful for my scenario. I also acknowledge that it's a, a special circumstance and not yeah. everybody has that luxury. And someone else might have some other resources that you don't have. So it's about really looking for what type of resources you already have. Mm -hmm. And as you said, what is financial stability for you? What is, what is a risk for you? Mm. For, for my dad, for example, uh, going to a vacation out of Turkey is a big risk. Not saying moving to another country. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Going to a vacation is also a very big risk because he's very picky in terms of what he eats. He loves <laughs> Turkish food and his biggest concern is what if I cannot find the Turkish food where I go? So <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
uh, you you are familiar with Turkish food, so <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. you you can appreciate a little bit at least his. <laughs> Yeah, his concern, of course. His concern. Oh my gosh, this country doesn't have Turkish breakfast. What am I going to do? <laughs> so for him, this is a really big risk. Mm. It, even though it is not a financial instability, mm-hmm. like he have the money to have any kind of meals wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. However, what is risky is what if I don't like that food? <laughs> Mm. So this is a very, maybe very extreme example of what risk and what the difference between what the risk looks like and what a financial stability looks like. Mm-hmm. But at least this is the case for my father. So I just wanted to give this as an example. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't need to be the same. We don't need to be similar in terms of what we need and what we have. It's all about to what extent we are aware of what we have and what we need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then with the food thing, I will loop it back around to previously in the conversation where we were talking about catastrophizing and the perpetuation mm-hmm. of negative thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like he will probably be okay if he can't find a Turkish restaurant in a new country. But, <laughs> you know, let's think about what that thought cycle might look like. Oh, if I can't find a Turkish restaurant, I'm going to go really hungry and then I'm going to be grumpy and then it's going to be a waste of money for me. And then I'm not even going to have fun and then I won't connect with people. Maybe I'll miss my flight. Who knows, you know? Who knows, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, my father won't be able to listen and understand what we are talking here. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry that, that we made you the subject of our conversation. <laughs> His ears are ringing right now. Like, yeah, probably. What is going on? <laughs> okay. Well, Austin, thank you very much for being with me and chatting with me. That was awesome. And I really enjoyed the perspective that you're giving in terms of transitioning because we just started the new year and I'm sure more or less everyone had some amazing resolutions. I will do this. I will do that. I will be such a person in the new year. I won't be doing this and that. So these are big resolutions that probably this is January 23rd probably more than half of them are failing right now, (laughs) all those (laughs) resolutions, because transitioning is hard. Like wanting something to happen is different than really planning that thing to happen. So I hope what we have discussed so far uh, will help to those who will listen us. A transition can be something very small, a transitioning can be something very big, like a life-changing event, whatever it is, uh, may the joy, may the fun, may the flow be with you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, may the flow yeah. be with you. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Thank That's awesome. you. Is there anything that uh, you think I should have asked you, but I didn't? I think if there's... The question that you should ask me is if there's one thing Hmm. that you want to leave our audience with, what would it be? Okay. Let me ask you this. (laughs) Austin, (laughs) if there is one thing that you want to leave with our audiences, what is that? If I could put something on a billboard that I wish the whole world could see, it would be opportunity naturally opens when you become who you are. Repeat it again. 
that's amazing. Oppor <laughs> opportunity, opportunity naturally opens when you become who you are. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for your last sentences that I forgot to ask you, but you kindly remind me <laughs> to ask. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you for that opportunity. And I really enjoyed my coffee. Well, meanwhile, we are chatting with you. Uh, so there's a there's a saying in Turkish. I'm I'm not sure whether you have heard yet. A cup of coffee has the uh, how can we say have that the gratitude of forty years. Oh, so I like that. It's like when we drink a coffee with you and chat. It means like it's a kind of promise that we would be nice to each other for 40 more years mm. <laughs> for, wow. for just the sake of the cup of coffee that we have <laughs> together <laughs> i like that maybe that should be on a billboard yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so i promise that i will be nice to you and grateful to our encounter for the for the upcoming 40 years at Austin. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm so looking forward to that. But year 41, you better watch out. Oh. <laughs> I think this is a very old saying and it comes from the average uh, adult life. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and, right? Yeah. <laughs> the life expectation was <laughs> uh, lower. I'll, yeah. I'll be nice to you till one of us dies. How about that? <laughs> okay. Deal. It's a new age saying. Yeah. yeah yeah and have a nice day uh, thank you for being with me thank you so much i appreciate it <laughs>